Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode... Leslie took a trip to Disneyland to check out what's going on for Disney 100 celebration. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. We're also on YouTube now, so if you could like and subscribe our channel and hit that bell button for notifications, we'd really appreciate it. YouTube.com slash at DisneyDeciphered. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered where you'll receive bonus content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at Travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So last week we talked about my quick trip to Walt Disney World, but Leslie, this week, well, a couple weeks ago as you're listening to this, but you got to go for the media event to Disneyland for Disney 100. Before we talk about what uh, kind of the basics of your trip, for people who don't know, what is Disney 100, because the marketing is um, starting to roll out in full force. Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of people don't know what the 100 is for, the 100 years. And it's 100 years of the Disney company, not Disneyland, not Disney World, not, you know, Mickey Mouse, not those, those, all those things. So the company itself is celebrating 100 years. I mean, honestly, Disney is always looking for any excuse to celebrate some sort of anniversary because it's a chance to sell food and merchandise and market anew to people. Um, so, you know, they're going to seize on any opportunity. And because Disney World is still finishing up its 50th, Disneyland sort of is where the 100th is focused, at least right now. I do think that things are going to roll out in Disney World once the 50th finishes up. But right now, Disneyland is getting all the love. So they had the big uh, international media event at Disneyland. was lucky enough to be included. Thank you, Disney. And of course, full disclosure, they hosted me for this trip. So we always want to put that out there and follow all FTC rules as always. But yeah, so 100 years and sort of just looking back at the history and, and celebrating all of it, the parks, the entertainment, the characters, all of that is what the festival is all about. Yes. Tip for any aspiring influencers or bloggers or social media people out there, you want to follow Leslie at Trips with Tykes because when it comes to FTC disclosure, she is the best. Okay. You follow her example, you will not get sued by anyone. At least, no, not get, not, not, not get sued. You will not get in trouble with the FTC for your disclosures. So great disclosure there, Leslie, as always. I'll run through just kind of the basics of your trip from what I know. You know, so like you said, Disney was paying for you. They put you up at the Grand Californian. For those of you who don't know, that is the on-site hotel that has a direct entrance to Disney California Adventure. 
Although I hear that it can get backed up in the morning. I had a friend who was there and it, it gets backed up in the morning. So it seems like it's more convenient for non rope drop times because Disneyland security is still in the stone ages and they have to check every single bag. But yes, you were put up at the grand Californian and then there was a bunch of events that you had to go to. You had to wake up at five thirty AM one day to go check out Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway, which is opening in the new Mickey's Toontown, which is not reopened yet, but the attraction itself is open. So you got to check that out. You got to check out. There are two new nighttime shows at Disneyland both for Disney 100. Um, the first one is called Wondrous Journeys, which I hear that has it has a great happily ever after, happily ever after quality theme song, um, which I'm trying not to hear until I'm hoping to get to Disneyland this summer. So I'm trying not to hear it before I get there so that I can you know get that full experience. But Wondrous Journeys is one of them. And then the other one is World of Color 1. Aside from that, you had a three-day park hopper and you got to check out the lunar new year festivities because that started um on january 20th and you were there for a quick you know you're only there for two nights right so that's the basics of leslie's trip and i do want to hear about the disney 100 stuff don't sing any of the songs um both for the podcast listeners benefit and also although I'm, you're a good singer in your own right but still i i hate singing on podcasts don't sing the songs, but I, I would love to hear you know your experiences with all these Disney 100 openings. Let's start with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, since that is the thing that we have the most experience with. What was your experience with that like at Disneyland? All right. So I got to ride the attraction three times during the media preview and then once as a regular guest. So going to have wanted to make sure to have that experience. The thing that everybody wants to know, I think first and foremost, is how is it different from Walt Disney World? And the ride itself is nearly identical. I, I take it there may be some minor, minor tweaks made just for the layout of, of the physical buildings and things like that. But it was imperceptible to me as someone who had just been on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at Hollywood Studios, you know, 10 days before. I didn't see any any obvious differences in the ride itself. But what is totally different is... Both the setting in Toontown, the exterior, and the queue. This is Disney's um, attempt at making an interactive queue. I mean, Disney World has a lot of them, but Disneyland really doesn't. And so this is sort of catch-up time for Disneyland. And the Imagineers went all out in designing this queue. It's just unbelievable. And I don't want to spoil too much. So, But we'll we'll get into a little bit of it that's not spoiler. Yeah, so... That I have a question for you, um, and as much as you can do without too much spoilers, but I keep hearing that it's an interactive queue. Now, obviously, I've seen pictures, and if you're watching this on YouTube, we have some of the pictures up as you are listening to me talk, but I keep hearing the term interactive queue, and are we talking, you know, let's try to keep it to, like, level of interactivity. Are we talking Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, where you're, like, playing with gems and, like, messing around with things, or... You know, aliens throwing saucers, there's like buttons to hit, or are there like, I don't know, have they, I guess my question is, have they upped the technology a little bit from just simple, you know, you can kind of play with stuff as you're walking by type things? No, I'd say it's on that same level. There are little things that kids can touch and play with and manipulate. But mostly, mostly it's things to look at and read. So I think 
in some ways, it's actually more for adults than it is for kids. I mean, there are the kid features like you'd find at Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, things to touch. But as an adult, what was really fun for me is going through it very slowly and reading everything because the jokes and the puns and the references and the Easter eggs are the best that Disney has ever done. I mean, because it's so long. This is the longest queue of its type even longer than Peter Pan at Disney World that that I've seen. I mean, I haven't been to all of the international Disney parks, but this was the best that one that I had ever experienced as for me as an adult. Yeah, and with Disneyland, a lot of times the queues are outside, right? And so there's like less, but this really feels like you're going into a show building. I don't know, it's just, it's like everything that you can tell that because at Hollywood Studios, they repurposed the Chinese theater from the great movie ride to Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, that queue is horrible. It's just, you're just walking through some, and it's dark and kind of dirty. And obviously it's gonna, you know, get wear and tear, but just the pictures of the queue, the bright colors, the blue, you know, that meshes with the California Adventure ticket booths uh, or turnstile booths, you know, that whole entire motif, it looks amazing it looks like you're walking into an old-timey hollywood theater and so i mean i just i just love the way that it looks and i'm super jealous um because it the it's just garbage the hollywood studios version the queue <laughs> you know I've, I've gone on record that it's one of my least favorite queues especially past the merge point like so you're stuck in this terrible room even after um you have tapped in for genie plus and so you know it just looks so much better at Disneyland. Now, is the pre-show and all that stuff the same? Actually, the colors, yeah, so are the colors of the room in the pre-show different? This is like very inane. Deep cut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is this is very much in the weeds, but you know, at Hollywood Studios, they have it's it's like red throughout the queue and so the pre-show is in a red room with like red curtains and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is it different at uh Disneyland? I didn't look that carefully and didn't remember. I mean, it doesn't feel as as dark at Disneyland, but the rooms itself for the pre-show felt pretty similar. You know, you come in and there's a standing area and there's the big screen and it sort of feels like a movie theater with like curtains and things like that. But I'm, I'm not sure I can get into the exact comparisons, but but what happens to uh, exit you from the pre-show no spoilers here to enter the ride is the same and then the layout actually uh, there's like a little bit of a queue before you board the train and that looks a little bit different um you know but it's still about the same number of switchbacks there's not a lot of holding area from exiting the pre-show and entering onto the ride and then the ride vehicles are totally identical. One thing I do have to add that I noticed for the first time, because I had not been on Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway that often at Walt Disney World, is where you enter the train. So say you board row one and you're right behind the train and you can see the screen where Goofy does his little spiel. Um, that's not where you end up at the end of the ride. And that was surprising to me because the, the vehicles are these trackless ride vehicles that break off from the train and then they rejoin together at the end, but you're in a different spot. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I also noticed riding it several times right in a row that you get very different views of this ride depending upon where you are in um, the sort of lineup of the train. If you're first, you'll enter that first room 
first and then you'll go to another room and you'll enter in different orders because the ride vehicles sort of break off and 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 several ride vehicles are in a room at one time and then they enter and exit at different times so sometimes you you won't spend enough time in a room if you're in a certain position but you'll spend a lot of time in a room if you're in a different position so that was really interesting to me to sort of experience and was a nuance that I had not gotten from riding in at Disney World yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the attraction. And it does seem like that the attractions are pretty much the same between the two. I did take a quick look at some of the pictures. The pre-show rooms look better as well. So basically, from start to finish, either it's the same as at Walt Disney World or better. Um, and so this is going to be a great addition to Mickey's Toontown, which is opening on what date? March the 8th is when the rest of it opens. And about half of it is open right now. I mean, I guess physical space, but not half of it in terms of um, the attractions. Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin is still closed and there's really nothing to do in Toontown. And in fact, they weren't even letting people into Toontown unless they had um, their reservations, either their Lightning Lanes or their virtual queue reservations for the ride just because of physical space right now. All right, so that covers Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Great addition to Disneyland, I think, and um, great. And, you know, I love it when there are attractions that are on both coasts um, just so that people, more people can enjoy them. And I think Mickey and Minnie's Railway, Railway definitely deserves its flowers. Let's move on to World of Color 1. Um, for those of you who don't know, the nighttime show at Disney's California Adventure is a fountain show kind of like the Bellagio, but with projections and can get fancier. And of course there's the Ferris wheel in the background. Um, and so, which um, Leslie, you can tell me what that thing is actually called since I should know that, but <laughs> did not. And so that's what normally the nighttime show is at Disney's California adventure. But for Disney 100, they have updated it for a new show with world of color. One, one of the big kind of, pieces of news was that this is going to be the first time Marvel stuff is incorporated into a show. We know that you're not the biggest lover of nighttime shows, Leslie, but you were one of the first people to see World of Color 1, and I will caveat this with it was a super windy night, and so I don't think it was fully operational Battle Station when you got to see it, but what were your impressions? All right, first of all, it's uh, the Pixar Pal around, but yes. <laughs> Thank you. Like, who, who would know that? That doesn't have the word wheel in it, but anyway, yes. <laughs> yes, but so we did get to see it for this preview, and it was a windy night, but not so windy that they wouldn't have run it, I think, under you know regular park operations, but it did compromise the show, and and I guess it was a little bit bizarre because they didn't tell us just how much the show was compromised because it didn't feel that windy to those of us on the ground, but it was making a difference substantially in the water and what we could see in the Mostly what you miss is the projections. The higher the water goes and the more it starts to blow, the more the projections are compromised. So the, the center projections, because there usually are several fountains, there's usually like a center section and then two side fountains that have sort of supporting animations projected onto it. The center fountain was really not visible for, from, for most of it. I, I will say I'm not a huge World of Color fan most of the time because I don't find that any of the viewing areas, even at the World of Color dessert party, I don't find that they are that good. And part of it is just sort of where the layout is and there always are two big poles in the way. And even if you sort of have prime viewing you're still getting an obstructed view. I mean, I really have not found, I mean, I guess unless you're willing to be along the front rail and 
risk getting wet, <laughs> then you're going to have a compromised view. But the, the point of the show is about the sort of impact that one person can make. And it's about sort of the, the little ripple that some, that one person can make and how it changes everything. So, you know, a lot of that fits in with a lot of Disney characters and, the thing, I mean, this show did not get well reviewed and I did not love it in part because I couldn't see it, but also because it had a lot of obscure songs in it and a lot of characters and IPs that are new. And I think a lot of the media that were there were thinking, you know, this is the hundredth. This is supposed to celebrate the legacy of a hundred years. And I think the oldest movie that appeared in it was Star Wars, <laughs> which is not a Disney IP originally. And I mean, other than that, of the Disney IPs, I think the oldest one maybe was Pocahontas. So not that old. My lifetime, your lifetime, Joe. Star Wars, not even not even 50 years. So no, that's no. not even half of the hundred, not even half of the hundred. And but the, the parts that people did like were the Star Wars parts and the Marvel Avengers parts. Those I thought were the best in terms of what was being projected. They used these kind of, um, I don't even know, almost like cartoon drawings, like you would do the hand drawn animation and, and it was very stylized and I liked it. So it wasn't just a clip from a Star Wars movie being projected onto the screens. So that was the best part for World of Color One, but it's just not a show that I love standing for. It's really uncomfortable just sort of standing. There's no seating except for the World of Color dessert party for that. Your miles may vary, but it was not not the hit of the 100. But, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's beautiful. The colors are gorgeous. I also really liked there was a portion where they had soul featured. And the what the, the fountains did and what the colors did to go along with jazz music was, was powerful. I like that as well. But, you know, all in all, meh was what I'd say for World of Color 1, unfortunately. Well, at least they didn't roll in five gigantic barges into fair the, fair you know so at least they had at least they preserved the sight lines leslie at least they preserved the sight lines all right so that's world of color one now i did not get to listen to your last patreon trip report but from everything i've seen on social media it does seem that even though world of color one is a little bit of a bust wondrous journeys the Nighttime spectacular that is happening at Disneyland over Disneyland's tiny, tiny castle made for ants. Um, I must say, every time I see that castle, it's just Zoolander-type castle right there. But I hear Wondrous Journeys is amazing. So tell us a little bit about your impressions of that one. Because if a Nighttime Spectacular impressed you, then you know it's got to be amazing. Yes, and it did this is the best fireworks show, Nighttime Spectacular, I have seen at Disneyland. I mean, my experience with Disneyland only goes back 20 years, give or take a few years. So I haven't seen all of them. But this was powerful. This was a home run. It made up for World of Color only being just okay. It celebrated all of the nostalgia of that 100 years of Disney history. It led with, you know, something fairly original and I won't spoil all of it. And then it just had some beautiful visuals. I mean, we had a great viewing spot right in front of the castle. I've never had a viewing spot that good um, because we were there for the media event. But, you know, there were plenty of people in front of me and I had, you know, some, I was definitely holding up the the camera to get my shots for Instagram and otherwise um, over a lot of heads, but, but we were front and center. And 
it it celebrated it was the right balance between history and um all things modern there were newer ips uh, i think one of the the coolest moments of the show is celebrating Encanto, which is super new, and the castle transforms into the casita with uh, with the projections that are on the castle. And you could hear people gasp when that happened. And then there's some quirky moments that are kind of quintessentially Disneyland. I mean, this has been well-publicized, so it's not a spoiler. Baymax flies over the castle. And, you know, this is where Disneyland gets... Disneyland gets a little weirder than Disney World. I'm not sure that would necessarily fly, um, no pun intended, at Disney World because people would think that's not classic enough. But that was fun. Wait, like a physical... Baymax a la Tinkerbell in Walt Disney World? Yes. Baymax goes all the way around the castle. Uh, I mean, that sounds amazing. In general, like, all these nighttime spectaculars are always around the same length. So you felt like both of them were pretty fair in length. You didn't feel like they were dragging or anything like that? World of Color 1 was too long. That was part of it. It was was longer than Wondrous Journeys. So your feet just are really done by the end of the day. And I was... My feet were done and my feet hurt by the end of that one. So Wondrous Journeys was just the perfect length. You know, I haven't looked up the exact number of minutes for each of them. But uh, yeah, the the fireworks are definitely worth sticking around for. I guess I say fireworks. It's only fireworks on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then it's just projections the rest of the week. So, So plan accordingly. But also, folks need to know there are other places to view Wondrous Journeys. So you can view it down Main Street. The projections are all on Main Street. You can view it in front of Small World. You can view it in front of Rivers of America. And we were told that the projections are slightly different in different locations. So you're going to get something different depending upon where you station yourself. And the show itself works in every Disney movie in history in some place somewhere in the parks, including two movies that aren't out yet and they didn't tell us what those were and maybe they aren't announced yet so i guess eagle eyes are going to figure it out very nice um i think disneyland realizes they have a hit and they're going all out because i saw a video of the dabber dance singing the song from wondrous journeys today i watched it without sound but uh you know so like they're going all out so they know they have a hit they have a happily ever after type hit jordan jordan fisher must be just burning with rage and jealousy that he didn't get to sing this one. Or actually, I don't know if he sang it, but I'm guessing they didn't have him sing it again. But uh, he's a guy who sang Happily Ever After who's super excited it's coming back, which I'm excited as well for Jordan and for Walt Disney World. All right, so there are some ancillary decorations and offerings for Disney 100. Tell us about them and tell us why the monorail is the best part. (laughs) All right. So lots of other things going on for Disney 100. Of course, the castle has gotten a special overlay that changes color and then lights up at night. And then it has these purple banners. Everything for the 100 is this platinum and purple color scheme, very uh, glitzy and bright and bold. So you see that on the castle. So, you know, of course, all the influencers were in front of the castle taking all of their photos in their matching outfits. It was amazing people watching being their opening day, I have to say. So if you ever have a chance to go to something like this, just as a regular human being and, and seeing the scene, it is worth seeing it. And I was just meanwhile in my, you know, gray and black and <laughs> watching yeah, it all. Just just to be clear, to paint the picture, Leslie sent me a picture of some influencers. Like they're wearing all sorts of random dresses and clothes. So it's not 
you know, Leslie's not saying anything about the influencers themselves, but it's like how they dress that is very interesting for the people watching. And, you know, it reminded me a little bit of Tokyo where people mm. really get into it. I guess they were wearing outfits that made less sense to me than the outfits that I see in Tokyo when people dress up for Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, there definitely are some very impractical outfits for castle photos, but it's it was a lot of fun. I just sort of camped out and I ate my my purple churro uh, while I watched people in front of the castle. So that's a good segue into the food. Definitely some Disney 100 food items, a lot of things with purple food coloring. So, uh, you know, I have <laughs> I have some you can't get away from it, Leslie. No, nope, <laughs> you nope. keep trying. You can't get away from the nope. purple food coloring. But I did have the purple churro, and it was not so purple that my mouth turned purple, so I was grateful for that. I, actually, one thing I did notice, the menu is actually kind of smaller than I think a lot of people would expect for a celebration this big, and maybe that means that Disney's going to bring out some more items over the course of the year. And I don't think we officially have an end date for the celebration, but I think everybody's kind of assuming it's a year-long celebration, But uh, so maybe there's a chance to bring out some more food. But there's there's not a ton, but I did try like the one entree item that is out there at Hungry Bear, which is a burger with two hash brown patties and nacho cheese sauce with like bacon in it. And it would have been good. Why does your face look like that, Leslie? It sounds amazing. (laughs) It's not a Cheeto dusted burger, Joe, but I tried it for the podcast and it would have been good. It actually really would have been good, but for the fact that Hungry Bear makes terrible burger patties. So it was dry. Other than that, the burger would have been great. Actually, it was a cool idea. But, you know, oh, some people have liked it, but I find the, the burger too dry. Uh, that's that's So it's a flaw in execution in the end, but the yeah. idea was good. Yeah. Idea was so. good and plenty of desserts and um, pretty much everything I tried was, was, was good for it. But, you know, I'm not much of a foodie. So, you know, get what looks good to you, what kind of, you know, flavors that you like and you'll have a good time. And then, of course, there's all sorts of characters in their 100 costumes. The, again, this this platinum and this purple. So you can get your, your photos with those characters in several different parts. And then I should also mention uh, Magic Happens Parade is coming back. I think it's February 24th, if I'm remembering correctly. So that will be making a return. I mean, it only ran. We heard from the director of that parade at the media event. It only ran for 13 or 14 days. And I saw two of the performances of it, which is crazy. So I guess I'm, I'm ahead of most. But it's a great parade. It fits into Disneyland, modern and um a lot of fun, good music from Todrick Hall. I am really excited about that. So that's coming back. But last, and certainly not least, everybody's talking about, everybody's Instagramming, the monorail. One of the two monorails at Disneyland has a special wrap for the 100 that when it goes by, turns into rainbows. Um, because it's you know platinum and the reflection is such that it makes a, a rainbow effect. It's awesome. It's super cool. I just don't I like it's sometimes these imagineers pull out things out of the hat that you just don't know how it works but it just works and it looks amazing and so you know I've seen video of that I'm guessing that like most videos it's it works better if you see it in person that monorail looks pretty awesome it, it seems like the kind of monorail actually I think people do just sit there and watch it all day for a little while well Disney 100 sounds awesome Leslie, if people are thinking about making a trip to Disneyland, how long is this running for? Like, you know, I know not everyone is going to make a special trip to do it, but if you're going in the next how long, 
will uh, Disneyland 100 or excuse me, Disney 100 still be running? So we don't know exactly. I mean, I think everybody's assuming end of year, you know, like a lot of anniversaries, they don't announce an end date until it's been going on for a while, see how much, how much of a hit it is. So I guess stay tuned. I mean, I think if you're going this summer, you'll definitely be able to see it. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people have that summer vacation on their itinerary. And, and so definitely, definitely sooner rather than later. And I guess we'll hear a little bit more about what Disney World is going to get in the next couple of months as well. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your Disney 100 experience with us. Let's end with our traditional Disney do or don't. Do you have a Disney 100 related Disney do or don't? Yes, I have a Disney 100, at least for now, do or don't. Um, Do really keep up with the construction and the closures at Disneyland right now. Because there are a lot of things that are a little bit weird and off. I mean, obviously, we talked about Toontown is still closed, most of it. And then the pathway connecting Adventureland and New Orleans Square by the treehouse is completely closed. So if you ride Jungle Cruise, you have to backtrack out of Adventureland and through Frontierland to get to the rest of that side of the park. Um, Indiana Jones is closed as well for refurbishment. So I think it's really important, especially if you're going within the next several months, to make sure you know what's closed, where the construction is affecting Crowd flow, I mean, it's not as bad as Epcot, but <laughs> it is it is affecting crowd flow at Disneyland, and which is a little bit interesting to see during something as major as this 100 celebration, but it is what it is, and things have got to get repaired and refurbished, so um, I'm glad for that. All right, well, sounds pretty awesome. I do hope that my family can make it out in July because Disney, well, Disneyland is awesome to start with, and Disney 100 sounds like a great overlay on top of that. Oh, last question. Wondrous Journeys, is it going to stay or is it just for Disney 100? It seems like with such being, it being such a hit, at least that one will stay. I'm not sure about World of Color. Yeah, I don't think we know. I mean, my, my impression is that this is the next show in the timeline um, for the evening spectaculars in Disneyland Park. But I think, like, like we know, Harmonious was supposed to be the permanent show. And it's done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that one is not as uh, well-reviewed, shall we say, as Wondrous Journeys. Well, thanks again for sharing your experience. If you've been to Disney 100 at Disneyland and want to share your experience, let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WWDeciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. We forgot to do our usual plug, but you can find us on YouTube.com slash at DisneyDeciphered, where you can like and subscribe us now or find us anywhere you find audio podcasts. Check out Leslie's work on tripswithtikes.com. And also, if you're looking to book a trip to Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Cruise Line, or anywhere really, you can email me, josephchung at travelmation.net. I would love to help you out. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you dreaming about that monorail at night. Thanks, Joe. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.